Welcome to Triumphant's Podcast with Pastor Perrin, preaching on the Word of God. Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse number 7, it reads like this from the English Standard Version. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. In the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. Now let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the word of God for the people of God, and so we say thanks be to God. I would like to title the sermon from our passage this morning. I would like to title it, Proceed with Caution. Proceed with Caution. Excuse me. It's springtime and um, wonderful time of the year. Allergies are already acting up. This week, I heard one of my favorite preachers alive today, Reverend Dr. Maurice Watson, who pastors Metropolitan Baptist Church here in Maryland, heard him tell the story of a young man man who went to visit a fortune teller. And I do need to say that I neither recommend nor do I suggest that Christians should be consulting with fortune tellers. But for the sake of this illustration, when this young man went to the fortune teller, the fortune teller studied the young man's hand for some time, looking intently. And then she looked at the young man and said, son, you're going to be poor and completely miserable until you are 41 years old. The young man, taken aback by what she said, well, what's going to happen to me when I turn 41? Will I then become rich? The fortune teller said to him, no, you'll always be poor. But at 41, you'll become accustomed to it so that it no longer makes you miserable. Church, this morning I've come to tell you that while we face disappointments and difficulties in life, how well we learn to handle and deal with those difficulties and those disappointments is crucial. Because while we are to have great expectation and while we are to have faith to believe that God can move mountains and that God can do the impossible, there comes a time in everyone's life 
when we're met with that scenario where either God hasn't turned our situation around yet or an even more difficult pill to swallow when God has not chosen to work miraculously on our behalf when we would want and need him to. Those are some disappointing moments. And often when we get disappointed in life, it's when life and people and God do not meet our expectations. Yeah, I know that sounds wild because we want to have great expectations of God, but sometimes God doesn't meet our expectations. And we should have great expectations of him. But sometimes, as we saw last week with John the Baptist, sometimes our expectations and his plans do not go hand in hand. And in those moments, when someone disappoints you, even God, that's not the time when you want to hear what they have to say. Y'all know what we say to someone when they disappoint us. We say to them, I don't even want to hear what you have to say because I don't even want to hear from you anymore. And I know that there are probably a few folks who are watching who would be honest with me and they say that there have been times when you have been disappointed with God because God hasn't met your expectations. And during those difficult times, it's often difficult to hear what God has to say to you when you're disappointed with God. And this is precisely the setting and the mood of our passage this morning. We know this because Jesus closes his statements in this stanza with this statement. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. See, Jesus knows that the disappointment that this crowd is experiencing and going through, it might make them miss what Jesus is trying to say to them. But I want to encourage somebody who's listening this morning, don't let your disappointing situation make you miss what God is trying to say. Don't let disappointment make you close up your ears to God. In your moments of disappointment and in your moments of difficulty and even in your moments of doubt, you need to do whatever you have to do to tune your ear in to hear what thus saith the Lord. Because we can have ears and not hear. God can be speaking, but if we're not tuned in to God, and if we're trying to tune God out and shut God off, we can have an ear to hear, but not hear what God is saying. But this morning, I want to urge you, if you have an ear, hear what God has to say. Sometimes that means that you're going to have to turn down some noise in your life. Last week, I was... I was at the office, I believe last Saturday sometime, or last Sunday, and I, I looked out the, the window of my study here at the church office, and I saw a woodpecker, a woody woodpecker. He was pecking away at one of the branches on the tree outside my study window, 
And I had never seen this woodpecker before. I took a picture of it and videotaped this woodpecker pecking away at this tree. And this morning when I got to the study, I decided not to turn on any music. And I decided not to turn on any background noise like I normally would. And lo and behold, I heard the woodpecker pecking away even though I could not see him. Because, see, that's what we have to do sometimes. When we can't trace God and when God can't seem to be found, we've got to turn down the noise in our life. Because if we'll listen intently and know that he is there, even though we can't see him, because we, we know that he's there, we can hear him even when we can't see him. And I've said it before, but I think it's important enough that I say it again this morning. When we are facing disappointment and discouraging moments, what we need in those moments is a word from the Lord. In those moments, we don't need an inspirational talk. In those moments, we don't need a motivational speaker. In those moments, we don't need a self-improvement book as helpful as they might be. We don't need an inspirational quote from Twitter or Facebook book, and we don't need a three-minute snippet of a sermon on Instagram. You don't even need a 12-step program in those moments. What you and I need in moments when it's difficult, in moments when we've experienced disappointment, even moments when we are doubting, is we need to hear what God is saying. We need to know whether or not we are headed in the right direction, if we're headed down the right path. And this morning, what I believe our text does is it helps us to proceed with caution. It helps us to, to look at our path. And really, this passage, Jesus is helping these, this crowd to, to look back on the path that they have taken. And he's helping them see that the path that they've taken actually has been a good path, that, that even though they're experiencing disappointment right now, and even though they're experiencing a letdown right now, even though it seems Jesus hasn't met their expectations right now, Jesus is trying to say, listen, look back over your path and look at the fact that you proceeded with caution. And here are some markers along the way. And I think that we are helped today because these gives us some things that we need to look to see, have we traveled this path? Have we proceeded with caution? These people, they're struggling with this. They're struggling with whether or not they should have gone out to hear the message of John the Baptist. They were obviously wondering, had they made a mistake in following John the Baptist and thus allowing John the Baptist to point them so that they would follow Jesus? And Jesus did not go to deliver John out of prison, they're confused and they're disappointed. They just heard Jesus send the word back to John the Baptist to tell John the Baptist, don't be offended by me. That's not what they would have expected Jesus to do. That's not what they would have expected the Messiah to do in that moment. They thought that the Messiah would have gone to deliver John out of jail. 
That's what they understood that the Messiah would come to do, to deliver them, to be a deliverer, to, to be the one that goes and delivers people out of jails. But Jesus did not do that. And now he has not met their expectations. When Jesus didn't go to deliver John out of prison, they are confused and disappointed. They had expected something from Jesus, and he had not come through on what they expected. So they're, they're, they're disappointed. And in the midst of all their disappointment, they are, they are wondering, should we even have, have listened to this message of John? Should we even have followed John as he pointed us to Jesus? Maybe this Jesus stuff ain't real. Maybe Jesus isn't who he said he is. Maybe Jesus is not the one who came to take away the sins of the world. See, when we are met with disappointment and Jesus doesn't meet our expectations, sometimes that's the question that we will all wrestle with. That's the question of, of doubt that we all tend to struggle with. But Jesus tells them, even though I haven't met your expectation as you may have wanted it, you, you weren't off track. You actually did the right thing. And we see this as Jesus rattles off these three questions. I hope you heard it beginning at, number, um, at verse number seven. As they went away, the disciples, John's disciples, had gone back, they were, they were headed back. We don't even know if they were headed back. Perhaps they were still lingering around, but they were about to head back, John the Baptist's disciples, to, to tell John the Baptist what Jesus had said. Jesus began to turn to the crowd, and, and he starts to speak to them concerning John. And he says to them, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? Did you go out to see a reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Did you go out to see a man dressed in soft clothing? What did you go out to see, verse number 9? Did you go out to see a prophet? And he says, yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. See, Jesus was affirming the ministry of John the Baptist, and he is saying to this crowd that even though you're disappointed right now, that yes, indeed, you went searching for the right thing. Because you did not go out to John because he was preaching some trendy, popular sermon that shifted with whatever was the prevailing thought or mood of the day. You didn't go out to John because he was trying to say something that was cool. You went out to John because he was trying to say something that was truthful. You went out to John for the right Reason, because John was preaching the truth. That idea here is that a reed shaken by the wind is the idea of something that is swayed and moves and is shifty. Jesus is saying, listen, when you went out to John, you went to, you went to the right person because he was solid and he was sound in what he was teaching. Matter of fact, John the Baptist was not compromising in the truth that he preached. Matter of fact, it was the truth that he preached that wound him up in jail, and John was uncompromising with the truth. And that is a good thing for y'all to have done, to go searching for substance and not style, 
to go searching for soundness and not something that is fickle and is shifty. That's what you went to see, and that is a good thing. Matter of fact, he brings it out even more when he says, what then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. We understand earlier in Matthew, he tells us that John wore camel's skin. That was not the, the, the nice clothing of that day. I, I know that we like, we, 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 like, we like designer made stuff and some of us, we can have a tailor who tailor makes our clothes. But, but John the Baptist, he wasn't one that was prone to being stylish or being fashionable. John the Baptist, he wasn't even modest. He was weird. And so Jesus said to them, listen, y'all didn't, didn't go out to John because he was stylish. Y'all didn't go out to John because he was cool. Y'all didn't go out to John because he was fashionable or materialistic. Y'all didn't go out to him because he was flamboyant, because he could dress nice. You would have gone to the king's house for that. You went out to John because his message had substance. It was good that you went out after John because you knew that he was more concerned about substance than he was about style. He goes on to say, what then did you go out to see? A man dressed in, clo in soft clothing? Verse number nine, what then did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and even more than a prophet. See, Jesus is affirming for them in that moment when they're not sure whether or not they are on the right path to tell them no. Because you went after someone who was a true prophet who was a sound preacher, who was a true man of God, who wasn't concerned about style but was concerned about substance, you actually were on the right path. And the caution that this brings to us today is to be careful of whose teaching we seek after and we go after. Whose teaching are you seeking out and whose teaching are you going after? Because if you're only going after style, it might be that it will lack substance. And in your moments of disappointment and difficulty, even though you want style, what you need is substance and you need sustenance. Because when it gets difficult, you need sustenance that will stick to your bones so that you will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes. See, the caution to us is that we have to be careful of whose sermon we're listening to on YouTube. And I'm not trying to say this so that I can puff myself up or say that I'm the only preacher that you can listen to. By no means am I trying to do I'm just trying to show you what God's word is lifting up because Jesus is saying it was a good thing that y'all went out to John because here's what we know will happen in the last days as 2 Timothy 4 and 2 tells us. It tells us that for a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but people will have itching ears, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And so even though I know you think that you're astute and that you're discerning, I want you to caution yourself 
about going after somebody who will just scratch where you're itching. Because sometimes what you need is not about how you overcome the situation, but how do you stand firm in your faith in God in the situation. So that even though the winds may beat you up, and even though the billows may roll, roll that you will be able to take that test and come out standing. See, John the Baptist, he didn't just preach what was popular or pertinent. He didn't preach what was profitable. But John the Baptist preached what was timeless and truthful. And that had, that had been tested and tried. See, see, I want us to be cautioned. Because in moments of disappointment, when we are not getting our expectations met by God, we often will try to find a word that may not be the word that we want, or excuse me, that we need, because we're just going after someone who will scratch where we're itching. And if there's any young preacher out there who might be listening to me, I want to go back to 2 Timothy 4 and 2, because Paul tells Timothy to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. If you're a young preacher out there and sometimes you get, you get tempted to just say what people will want you to say so that you can get an amen and that you can get a rah-rah and so that you can get a pat on the back. No, preach the word. Preach the whole counsel of God's word because what people need, what we need in our moments of difficulty and disappointment is a word from the Lord. When storms of life are raging and the billows are rolling, we need a word from the Lord. We don't need somebody who's going to be shifty. We don't need somebody who's just going to have all style and no substance. We need a word from the Lord. And so Jesus, he tells them that that, that, that John the Baptist, he, he was a good person for you to go after. And that's the caution to us that, that we would make sure and we are careful and discerning about the teaching and the preachings that we go after so that we're making sure we're getting good, sound word, good, sound doctrine. We need, we need more true prophets in our day. We need those who will say, thus saith the Lord. Because that's what Jesus tells them that John the Baptist was. In verse number nine, he says, what then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and even more than a prophet. He's telling, he's telling them, listen, John the Baptist was a true prophet. He was one of the prophets that didn't walk around just telling people about their future. But the prophet, he was the type of prophet that said what God had said. He didn't just tell people that their situation was going to change if they get in a money line and give $100 and run around the church five times backwards. No, he told them, here is what God's word says. My responsibility is to prepare the way of the Lord. My responsibility is to point you towards Jesus. My responsibility is to tell you to repent and to turn from your sins. See, these days we have a lot of prophets who are most concerned about being profitable than saying what thus saith the Lord. And we got to be real careful, y'all, because we got prophets who are more concerned about style and more concerned about 
being cute and more concerned about saying things a certain way. But we have to make sure that we we know that we need God's word. And if you're listening today and you're wondering, where do I turn in this time? Turn to somebody who is preaching God's word faithfully, not just somebody who has style, but somebody who has substance. The prophets of the Bible, they spoke forth a word to the issues of the day. They carried with them a thus saith the Lord. And what we need to reclaim in our ministries today is our prophetic voice, that we speak truth to power even when it's not convenient. Too many of our hyper-evangelical brothers and sisters across this country are not speaking truth to power. We only speak truth to power when it's convenient for us, but we are compromising truth so that we can have political expediency. But we need to speak truth to power. That's what John the Baptist did. That's what wound him up in prison, is that he spoke truth to power and got locked up because of it. John's message was a message of social issues as well. He was concerned about the social issues of the time, and it wound him up in prison. John the Baptist was a special guy, though. He wasn't just a prophet. Jesus says that he was more than a prophet. See, he was special, and he was significant. Matter of fact, he was the one who the scriptures prophesied about when it said, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, and who will prepare your way before you. John the Baptist was so special and he was so significant that the scriptures prophesied about him. He says, Jesus, truly I say to you, among those born of a woman, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. He is affirming to this crowd. Listen, y'all went after following John the Baptist, but I want to let y'all know, even though I'm not going to save John the Baptist, and even though I'm not meeting his expectation, and even though you might be disappointed with me in this moment, I want you to know that John the Baptist, he was a great, no one was greater than John the Baptist. But he spins it because then he says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. See, Jesus wanted them to know this, that as special and as significant as John the Baptist was, it wasn't him, it was his message that made him special and significant. It was what he preached. It was the substance of what he preached. It was the fact that John the Baptist pointed people to Jesus and told people, listen, he is the one that has come to take away the sins of the world. See, he's saying, listen, in the kingdom of God, the one who is least is greater than he. Because in the kingdom of God, listen, there is no place of prominence for those who did what they were supposed to do here on earth as called of God. Listen, the, the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, is you, you, you can't even wrap your mind around what the kingdom of God is like. But you need to know that when you get to the kingdom of God, there aren't going to be special seats for VIP people. The people in the special seats are going to be the ones who are the least of these in this world. Matter of fact, there's going to be a whole bunch of kids at the front of the sanctuary when you get to the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is unlike this world. And so even though he's lifting up how special and significant John the Baptist was, he's letting them know, listen, he was just a man like me and you, but he stayed committed 
to his calling to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then he goes on and he says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violence take it by force. See, Jesus has pointed them to their path, and he's saying, listen, when you went out to John the Baptist, that was a good thing that you did because you were going after sound preaching. You weren't going after style. You were going after substance. You went after a prophet who preaches, thus saith the Lord. And that was good because he was special because of the message that he had, the substance of his message. But you also need to know that as you go out to John the Baptist, as you went out to John the Baptist, that that didn't mean that you weren't going to face any opposition. That didn't mean that you weren't going to suffer anything because the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. The kingdom of heaven, it is advancing, but it is advancing because with opposition, because, yes, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. But the gates of L.A. are trying their best to oppose the kingdom of God going forth. And it just is a reminder to us. That when we are experiencing opposition, it is nothing that we should be surprised about. Because as long as we are part of the kingdom of heaven, we're going to suffer some violence. We're going to suffer some opposition. Are you surprised by the opposition that you're facing? Has the opposition that you're facing knocked you down, gotten you off course? That's why you have to make sure that you have some sound sustenance that you can have that will stick to your bones. You have to have, if, if you will, you have to have, make sure that you've got the fundamentals of your faith real secure. I was watching basketball yesterday because it's March Madness and what you do, what I do during March Madness is I watch NCAA college basketball. And yesterday I was watching my team, the University of Maryland Terrapins, and they were playing um, University of Connecticut. And there was, this, there was this kid on University of Connecticut's team. He's, he's supposed to be one of the best in the country. And he didn't have such a great game. But he had this one play that was absolutely mind-boggling. He, he, he was going to the basket, and he, he, he juked one way, and he tripped himself, and he fell on the ground on his back. But he didn't stop dribbling the ball, and he was able to hop back up, dribble the ball, and shoot the ball and still make it. I was mesmerized. How can you fall, keep dribbling the ball, get back up and shoot the ball? Because he had spent some time on the fundamentals of basketball. He, he spent some time not just shooting the ball but dribbling the ball so that even if he got knocked down, he would still be able to dribble and get back up and shoot. And see, that's what we've got to make sure that we have because we're going to face some opposition. We're going to get knocked down. But do you have the fundamentals of your faith so that even when you get knocked down, you cannot give up but you can keep dribbling and get back up and shoot the ball again? The kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. And it says that the violent take it by force. Now, I have to admit to you that it is, it, it is not clear what Jesus means by the violent take it by force. Some people think that it means that those of the kingdom are to, 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 to with passion and courage, continue to advance the kingdom of God and take it by force. But I personally, 
um, struggle with that interpretation of the passage because I understand that even just later on in this passage that Jesus is going to say, come to me all who are labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest and to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so there is this idea that's lifted up of, of not violence, but non-violence. And so... Yes, maybe it is that the violent are to take it by force, that those who are the kingdom of God are to be passionate and courageous and, and continue to advance the gospel, and that we should do that. But I would like to offer you another alternative, because my concern is that if people think that the violent can take it by force who are part of the kingdom of God, that perhaps we will go and use our guns to eliminate objects of temptation of Asian women by going into a massage parlor and, and shooting Asian women because they feel tempted by the Asian women. That is not how you deal with your temptations in a violent manner of that. Matter of fact, Jesus said that if, if your eye causes you sin, to, to knock out and take out your own eye. Don't take somebody else out if you have an issue with sin. As my friend and sister Bethany Wong put it, Asian women are not objects of temptation that need to be eliminated. No, I, I'm not sure that the violent approach is the approach that we take. Because if, if we take the violent approach, we would think that it's okay for us to storm capitals with tactical gear and signs of oppression and signs of terrorism. No, that is not how the kingdom of God is to be advanced. No, we employ nonviolent weapons. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is the approach that we as believers are to take, a nonviolent approach. And so the idea here is that those where it says violent take it by force, those are those who oppose us. And, and, and John the Baptist finds himself in prison because someone has taken it by force. And the idea here is that we will face opposition. Yes, we will face disappointments. Yes, we will sometimes wind up where we don't want to be. And God may not come deliver us when we want him to deliver us. So don't be surprised. When you suffer violence, don't be surprised because don't forget that your your savior suffered violence. Your savior suffered violence when he was on the cross and, and your savior suffered violence when they nailed him to Calvary's tree. Yes, your savior suffered violence. And so you shouldn't be surprised if you following your savior's path will also suffer violence. But don't let it knock you down that you can't get back up. Don't let it knock you down where you're tossed to and fro. Hear what Jesus says. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. What is Jesus saying in this, in this verse 14? If you are willing to accept it, John the Baptist is Elijah who is to come. You see, Jesus, Jesus is affirming the ministry of John the Baptist. He's letting these people know that, that as you go went after him, 
As you saw how you went after sound teaching and sound doctrine, not somebody who was shifty and, and, and just swayed to whatever was the prevailing mood or thought or wisdom of the day, but you went after somebody who was a true prophet. They, they weren't concerned about being stylish. They weren't concerned about being flamboyant. They weren't concerned about having the fancy cars and the fancy house. He, he went after, they went after somebody who was a true prophet, who said, thus said the Lord. And he's someone who even spoke truth to power. He's saying, if you're willing to accept it, I know it's difficult right now. I know it may not make sense right now. I know you might be disappointed right now. I know I may not have met your expectations right now. But if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. See, see, what Jesus is doing by way of affirming John's ministry is that Jesus is actually affirming his own ministry. Because the scriptures tell us in Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 that Elijah would come and Elijah would point people and prepare people for the way of the Lord. See, Jesus was saying, listen, John the Baptist was on it. John the Baptist, he, was, he had the right message. You did not miss God by going after John the Baptist because John the Baptist was the Elijah who pointed to Jesus. He was the one who pointed you to me because I am what Jesus is saying. I am the one who has come to take away the sins of the world. Yes. Can you accept it? In your moment of disappointment, in your moment where God has not met your expectations, can you accept it? Can you hear this word? Can you, in your difficult moment, can you put your arms around the fact that Jesus has come to save your life in its purest and most simplest form? That he is the one who saved you from burning in hell. He is the one that drank the cup so that you would not have to drink the cup of wrath. He is our propitiation. Are you able to wrap your arms around that? The fundamentals of your faith. So that even when you're knocked over and even when he's not meeting your expectations, you know that he is still being Jesus. Because I want to remind you, like we said last week, it doesn't mean that Jesus can't perform miracles because we know that he was still performing miracles. He, he, he said, to, to go back and tell John, I'm still healing the sick. I'm still raising the dead. I'm still unplugging the ears of, of the deaf. The lame are still walking. Lepers are being cleansed. Yes, I'm still performing miracles. But sometimes when God is not performing a miracle in your situation and he's not doing what you expect him to do, you get disappointed and get derailed. Don't get disappointed. If you have an ear to hear, hear what thus saith the Lord. Hear it. Despite what you're seeing, despite the disappointment that you might be feeling, can you discern and know that following Jesus, following someone who is pointing you to Jesus is the way that you should go. Follow Someone who, who will tell you about Jesus. That Jesus is the one who the scriptures prophesied about. That Jesus is the one who heals the sick and, save, and, and, and raises the dead. But also the one who saves sinners. Will you hear this and accept it? Will you accept that John the Baptist was the one to come, Jesus is saying? 
because he was the one who pointed to me. Listen, I know that in your disappointment, in your moments when Jesus is not doing what you wished he would do, that it can get difficult. But hear Jesus saying, I am still the one. I am the one that has come to give you life and life more abundantly. Jesus said to you, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He wants you to rest your faith fully in him. But I do love the old hymns of the church that perhaps we should sing more often. But there's one good old hymn of the church that I, that I have to pick up every, time, every now and then. And it says, we are often tossed and driven on the restless sea of time. Somber skies and howling tempters off to succeed a bright sunshine. And in that land of perfect day, when the, when the mist have rolled away, we'll understand it better. By and by. I know you can't make sense of your situation right now. I know you wish God would show up quicker in your situation right now. But by and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God are gathered home, we'll tell the story how we've overcome and we'll understand it better by and by. Verse 2 says, We are often destitute of the things that life demands, we are wants of food and wants of shelter. Thirsty hills and barren lands. We are trusting in the Lord according to the word. And we will understand it better by and by. But y'all listen to verse number three. Temptation, hidden snares, often catch us and take us unawares. And our hearts are made to bleed for any thoughtless word or deed. And we wonder, listen y'all, we wonder why the test. When we have tried to do our best. Anybody else ever wondered why the test? When I've tried to do my best? The truth is we'll understand it better by and by. Move up a few more years and we sing a song this way. I just can't give up now. I've come too far. From where I've started from Nobody told me That the road would be easy But I don't believe He's brought me this far To leave me Yes, I just can't give up now I just can't give up now I've come too far from where I started from nobody told me nobody told me that the road would be easy and I don't believe he's brought me this Said I don't believe He's brought me this far No I don't believe He's brought me this far No I don't believe He's brought me this far I don't believe He's brought me this far To leave me I want to encourage someone 
you've been searching after sound teaching, sound doctrine, not shifty teaching, not, not teaching that lacks substance, sustenance, that lacks substance, that if, that if you've, been, you've been trying your best to listen to true prophets of the Lord that are saying, thus saith the Lord, that are preaching the whole counsel of God's word, that if you are not surprised when you meet suffering and you're meeting opposition, that you're on the right path. Yeah, I know it might be tough. I know it might be disappointing. I know that God might not be meeting your expectations right now. And, and don't stop believing. Don't stop praying. Keep praying. But in that moment, you, you've got to hold on to the fundamentals of your faith. God did not bring you this far to leave you. He has not failed you yet. And he never will. Listen to the old saints telling you, you'll understand it better by and by. By and by. By and by. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about Triumphant Church, visit us at thetriumphantchurch.org or you can contact us at 301-559-2200.